When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Audrey Weidlich is a recent graduate of DeShane Catholic High School in St. Louis, Missouri. In the fall, she will be a rising freshman at Truman State University, where she plans to major in business. Currently, she is the executive assistant to the CEO and founder of Kill Global Coaching and Consulting. Tonight, she shares her learnings from season one of Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. This is straight talk you won't hear anywhere else. I'm Kalen Bingham, and this is the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Cheers. Boy, that's good. Okay, guys, this is the beginning of... The end. Yes, all great things must come to an end. And this is the beginning of the end of season one. So we've, we've actually completed a full season. Can you believe it? We've had a full season of conversations. So I wanted to do something a little special. And it would be so easy for me to sit here and have uh, everyone believe that I'm the one making all of this amazing whiskey, jazz, and leadership conversation happen all by myself. And only my closest friends would know that that is a bunch of hooey. So instead, I thought I would have a conversation with one of the key people in my organization that is actually the master coordinator behind Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. And I've known her for an incredible long time. Miss Audrey, come on into the room. How are you doing? I'm good, Galen. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, we've shared just a tiny, tiny bit about your bio. Uh, I know that this really started uh, as a kind of a test, kind of an intern type program, but it's turned into an actual thing. So, Audrey, introduce yourself to the audience. Talk a little bit about yourself so we can get into this conversation. Wow. Well, you built me up to quite the introduction. My name is Audrey Weidlich. I'm a recent graduate of Duchenne Catholic High School. Uh, I'm going to be attending Truman State as a business major in the fall. I'm the executive assistant to the CEO and founder of Killing Global Coaching and the media director of the Whiskey Jazz and Leadership Podcast. Pause for applause. Pause for applause. (laughs) The crowd goes wild. Uh, well, hey, let's get into this conversation because this is kind of this is kind of an interesting deal. The way we got together on this podcast and this organization because we worked together before, and I love hearing you talk tell the story about how we got together. Share with the group how did we come to get together again on this project? All right. Well, Galen and I go back since I was 16 years old, when I applied for his retail business 
which was a frozen yogurt shop that he franchised. And I applied for a job there. I walked in orientation and I was expecting like, you know, like I'm just going to learn a part-time job, you know, here for the money, ready to go. And then I meet Galen and he has this whole three hour spiel. He introduces himself. He's so proud of who he is. And I'm like, wow, quite the introduction for frozen yogurt. And that's what I kind of knew that like Galen's someone I need to keep in contact with. So I worked hard, kind of rose through the ranks at the shop and I became quickly one of the leaders there. And I worked closely with Galen. I worked there for a year and a half. I made a move to go work at a coffee shop instead and experience something new. But that wasn't the end for Galen and I. Six months later, he closed his shop. And I reached out to him and I asked for a letter of recommendation and to see if he had any business opportunities because I knew Galen had this incredible system of operations behind what he had than just the frozen yogurt shop. I said, I want to get into that. So I asked Galen if he had any business opportunities. And that's when we started doing an internship. It was unpaid at first. And I did the social media and just some like simple design work. But then it quickly grew into being kind of Galen's assistant and really doing a lot more. And I'm loving it. Well, fantastic. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's uh, quite the story. You don't find many people uh, that have the work ethic that Audrey has. So she is absolutely someone to watch, someone to be on the lookout, but you can't have her. She's mine. So, <laughs> uh, well, let's get in because Audrey, you've been here since the very beginning, since the origin of the Whiskey Jazz and Leadership show. And one of the things that I really was excited about was someone of your age being able to learn the lessons that our guests have talked about, uh, that our guests have learned and they have experienced. They've all led lives well-earned. And the idea of someone at the beginning of their career being able to hear those lessons I just thought that that would just be a great uh, opportunity for you. So would love to just kind of take a walk down memory lane uh, of season one. Would love to hear from you. What are some of the key things that you've learned from the, the program in general? And then if there are any particular episodes where you've learned key things and you would encourage our listeners to double back and make sure they check out. What are some things that you've picked up? All right. So our first guest, actually, no, let's go all the way back to what am I drinking? So in this episode, you described this uh, podcast as you're coming out of your three passions of whiskey, jazz and leadership. I remember when I first listened to this, you know, I was like, oh, gosh, what am I getting into? I don't know whiskey. I don't know jazz, but I kind of know leadership, but not to Galen's degree at all. But I'm getting there. But I kind of found out as I kept listening to this podcast that this podcast is really for anyone because not all your guests drink whiskey. Someone drank Coke. Shana drank lemon water. So I didn't need to drink whiskey to be on the podcast or be working for the podcast. I also don't listen to jazz. While I was listening to more of the podcast, I found out that like, all right, I can work with this. Like, this is interesting. And that's really the introduction and where it all begins. And then we get our first guest. 
Peter. Yeah. So this was that episode was really kind of interesting for me because it really was kind of my coming out. I, I wasn't quite sure of who this podcast wanted to be. This is my my second podcast. The first one is the Leadership Toolbox, which was just it's still out there, but it's just really straight inspiration. It's it's what you typically hear on a podcast. You know, when I when it came time for me to uh, do another episode. I just didn't. I didn't feel like stepping back into that space. And whiskey, jazz, and leadership just kind of brought together three things that, you know, to your point, Audrey, I was passionate about, but I've never really talked about in one place because typically, if you're in a leadership space, you don't talk about alcohol. You don't talk about whiskey. And and if you're going to talk about jazz, well, that's not professional. So you can't really combine those three. And so this was just, to your point, my coming out in that I stopped pretending that I was this straight-laced, uh, very polished dude that only thought about one thing and one thing only. So what else did you pick up from some of the other episodes, potentially? Yeah. So um, that first episode with Dr. Peter A. James, Peter has such a rich background. He's definitely someone you want to take advice from. But what really got to me was when he was speaking about accountability. Because they don't have that accountability partner. They don't have that challenge. They don't have someone to ask powerful questions and do the active listening on a regular basis. Right. Um, I'm here for you. And if you're ready to get there, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not cheap, but the return on investment is is more than you can even imagine. If you don't have somebody to hold you accountable, you're never going to recognize when you've gone too far. You're never going to be able to step out of your comfort zone. So I thought that was really important. And he also talked about having someone to hold you accountable helps you realize where your weaknesses are. And so you can play to your strength. That's a great lesson for anyone to pick up, especially someone like you at the beginning of your career to find people, always be on the lookout for people that will stand in the gap of uncertainty and help you cross over to where you are trying to go. So great lesson to pick up from Dr. Peter. I enjoyed his episode a lot and it was a great opening to the season and really what whiskey, jazz and leadership embodies. Fantastic. Who else? What else? What else? No one else but the mic drop herself. Tamara McMillan. Tamara. Tamara. Oh my goodness. I love her energy. I did it for myself because I needed to, because I knew that there was something that was bigger than myself that I was supposed to be doing because we all have something specific that we've been given by the universe and it must be done. So the thing that Galen has to do, you have to do it. You can't delegate that to your brother your father, your daughter, your wife, the thing that Tamara was created to do from the universe, I can't delegate to that to my sisters or my mothers. So, and if these beautiful works aren't created and executed, they go undone. Her episode just caught my attention because just the way she speaks, and she actually speaks about the way she speaks on her episode. Uh, she talks about narration versus storytelling. She just has fantastic energy. It's infectious. You want to listen to her for hours and hours. Uh, but she just has an incredible story. And the way she defines herself as a failure fanatic, that was really what got me there. A lot of times we try to ignore our failures, 
but she lets them shape her into who she is. And I think that's a very important lesson that everyone needs to learn. I really loved what she had to say about that. Uh, She has earned her name, Mic Drop. Every time I am in a conversation with her personally, or when when it's just one-on-one, or whenever I am sharing the stage with her virtually, we've done a couple of programs together. She absolutely delivers on that nickname, even to the point where we forget where her, what her actual name is. And I think I even did that uh, in the conversation because she just cuts right to the quick of what you are needing to hear. And she doesn't seem to be concerned about how it's delivered. She just wants to give it to you. And that's what real educators do. And she made the distinction between being a teacher and being an educator. And I just love her to death. If you are ever in an opportunity to sit with her or to listen to her, take advantage of that opportunity because your life will be forever changed. Uh, I'm so glad that we could have her on the show so early in trying to define what Whiskey Jazz and Leadership was about. The amount of times where I like skipped back and I was like, I need to hear that one again. I remember trying to pick quotes from that episode and I had like 15 from like a 30 minute podcast. It was insane. All right. Mic drop. Who who, who was next? Who was next? You can't forgive Philip Boyd, the fully naturalized Renaissance man, as we call him. Even when you had not very great leaders, you got it done anyway, because you understood that things were mission critical. You're going to get it done, right? (laughs) It's a different experience when you're able to work with someone that understands that people can still be treated with respect even when you have a very clear line of leadership and it it does it makes you want to do more you know it makes you want to say that there's nothing impossible whereas like you're going to even in the military we found ways to do the bare minimum if we had a a leader that we felt was really not up to par and really didn't respect us. He's so educated. He's been in the military, uh, the Marines and the Navy. Uh, He's done education, law, and he literally almost became a doctor. He's definitely someone you want to take advice from. He is actually one of my friends here locally that we connect on so many different things. And one of the things uh, that he continues to impress me by is that I can literally talk to him about any subject and he brings expertise in that subject. There are very few people who have a command on such a diverse subject matter that you can go to for anything. Usually you have people that you can talk to about politics or you, there's you know someone that you can talk to about parenting. Uh, there's someone you can talk to about business. But I literally could just pick up the phone and call Philip and talk to him about anything, and he's going to leave me more intelligent on that subject matter than I began. And you have to be on the lookout for those kinds of people because they make your life better. Definitely double back and check out Mr. Philip Boyd. Speaking of military people, we have Ledford Fate, who is also in the military, and he was in the Air Force, and he had a lot of great things to say. There is such a thing as the study of leadership. 
to study and to study something, you got to pay attention. You got to look at people that's been there, done that, got the T-shirts, the failures and the successes. And if you only figure that I'm going to lead based on the mistakes that I make and, and my own interpretation of leadership, I don't think you're as good a leader as you could be. But one of the things I most picked up on is um, he talked about a lot how he was sober his whole life because his father was an alcoholic. And he stayed true to that through every situation in his life. And I thought that was so cool. He said he stayed true to it on the basketball court, the battlefield, and in the boardroom. So I thought that was really cool how you can stay real to yourself and stay real to the promises that you keep for yourself, no matter what situation he was in. Lefford is a real dude in that he knows who he is. Uh, he's not afraid to tell you who he is. And then he's prepared to demonstrate who he is. I learned a lot from my relationship with Lefford. He was the first person that I brought on to the show that I didn't have a, I didn't have a relationship with him beforehand. Uh, I, I met him on another show, just really liked everything that he was talking about and the vibe that he had about him. There was a connection there that I could appreciate, although I couldn't explain. And uh, we're going to get to um, Wyman Winbush, but you know, one of the things that Wyman said definitely showed true with Leffert. If you have two pianos in a room and you you hit the, the C chord on one piano, the C chord on the other piano will vibrate because it recognizes, it recognizes that note. And Wyman said, the same is true for truth. When someone speaks truth, you can sense it, although you might not be able to articulate what's going on there. That was definitely my connection with Leffert. You can't find a place where leadership is as important as in the military. And he, he has uh, demonstrated that at the highest possible level levels. Yeah, I could not imagine being a leader when there are lives at stake. Got to be one of the hardest things you can do, but probably one of the biggest accomplishments. Ledford also spoke a lot on courage, how it took a lot of courage to be a leader. And going back on accountability, he said you need to help other people be courageous and you need other people to help you be courageous. Okay, so one of our next guests was Jill Flynn. And you said that she did not really fit the image of who you would be close with or um, who would be on Whiskey Jazz and Leadership, but she surprised you. What I'm passionate about is empowering women, all women and men of color, so that more of us are at the table at senior leader levels, because I think that will change not only the companies we work for, but it will change the communities we serve, it will change our families, and it will cha ultimately change our country. I truly believe that. So our goal and vision has always been to have a minimum, a minimum of 30% women and men of color at, at all the tables. I love Joe Flynn's episode so much so that after I listened to her, not once, but twice, I bought her book. I, I was like, I need to read this. I need to see what else she has to say. She is a leader for women and people of color. So she helps minorities really get to where they want to be and achieve the dreams that they want to achieve. And she's broken down so many great barriers for minorities. And she tells so many like incredible stories 
of how she's helped not only herself, but 16,000 women. So I really enjoyed listening to Jill Flynn. Yes, Jill Flynn. Well, first of all, the key thing I took from what you just said is that uh, Jill Flynn owes me some royalty because I've sold a couple books for her then. Uh, but she actually, I, I, as I said before, as you mentioned, I didn't expect that I would be endeared and fall in love with Jill Flynn as deeply, as quickly as I, as I have. She was actually the person that inspired this entire podcast. Uh, and I tell this story often, you know, I was doing some work, her organization, delivering content that she created. And it was my job to just share that with groups. And I had done that dozens, if not hundreds of times before. So pretty, pretty comfortable with speaking in front of groups, regardless, uh, regardless of the size, regardless of how important they are. And she came to me and gave me some feedback after I did a couple of uh, a couple of her programs. And she said, you know, hey, Galen, you do a great job. You've got some uh, obvious talent here, but I sense your hold. I sense that you're holding something back and I don't know you well enough to tell you what it is. But whatever it is that you are reluctant to share, I want to give you the freedom to bring that into this program because we can benefit from it after being um, polite. Uh, in accepting her feedback, I hung up the phone and almost cursed her out behind her back because I'm like, how dare she? She doesn't know me. How This woman has no idea who that was kind of outside of my bravado. That's what was going on until I spent the weekend thinking about what she said and how as an African-American in corporate America, you do have to manage how much you bring into settings, into professional settings. Uh, because one of the things that my 30 years have demonstrated is that when you're an African-American, I believe that the same is true for women as well. You have to be good because if you're not good at what you do, you, you can get fired, right? So you have to be good. But if you're too good, if you're too much better than the people around you, that can be intimidating. And that could be problematic as well. And so she it really kind of pulled me out of this concern about looking the part. After that interaction, I could no longer do any more episodes of the Leadership Toolbox. It wasn't true enough for me. And hence, Whiskey Jazz and Leadership was born. So definitely. Next up is your favorite leader now, Greg Strauss, because he bought you a bottle of whiskey. Uh, he brought you Wilderness Trail, 100 Proof, Bottled and Bond. Greg Strauss was very interesting. He talks about effective ways to manage. First time that I ever managed people was Coca-Cola Enterprises. I had moved from the Coca-Cola company being an individual contributor and moved over to the bottler distribu distributor and was uh, given an opportunity to manage a, uh, a key accounts department in St. Louis. So eight people. So I knew exactly what I wanted to accomplish. I, I knew the metrics. I knew what my general manager wanted me to, to do. Early on, I would go on sales calls and I had all of them were, were really good salespeople, but there were a couple that were really exceptional. And it took a couple of, of key meetings with, uh, with grocery chains and convenience chains. And then afterwards, I mean, hats off to them. I won't mention names, but hats off to them to to point out and say, you know what, Greg, I can actually do my job. 
<laughs> so uh, I, I actually don't need you jumping in on a joint sales call to to do the selling for me. That that's what you pay me to do. And so I had a, a couple of individuals that that pointed it out to me, and I, I'm really glad they did. It was like a one of those light bulb moments that hey, if I'm going to be a leader, it's probably less important for me to make the sale. Well, there's not enough of me to do that, right? That's why I got eight people to do it. But it's really, I'm going to be much more successful in my job if I can create an environment uh, where they can be their best. The key thing I got out of it was that he said not only to look at the analytics of your people and your team, but you have to think outside of the box. And that's when you responded, culture eats strategy for breakfast. That's kind of when I paused it there. That's what Galen does with me. You let me kind of think for myself when I am um, wanting to post new things on social media, different ways to monetize the podcast. You always kind of give me the freedom to think. First of all, I want to thank you for that. That's really what effective leaders should be because if I can't think for myself, then I'm not giving you my all. And that's not what you're paying for. Greg Strauss and I go back a long time in that uh, he and I both worked for the Coca-Cola system at the same time. He's one of those leaders that I've seen lead at so many different levels and still come with the same level of professionalism. So I really appreciated him coming on I, I can't take all the credit for culture eats strategy for breakfast because Peter Drucker, the famous father of modern day managers, modern day management said that first. He said, um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I have improved upon his words, though. Uh, I have stepped in to make them better because I think he was wrong. I think he was only partially right. So my quote is that culture eats strategy for breakfast, lunch dinner and midnight snack. So he didn't go far enough because if the culture of your organization is not right, if it's not strong, if it's ineffective, it really does not matter uh, the strategy that you've created because there won't be people there to help you bring their all. So I am so glad that you were able to pull that from uh, Greg Strauss, great leader, a great leader. Really great episode. But you can't forget the time where we got to go international uh, with Rowena Wilde and we went to Cotswold, England. That was great. Rowena talked about a lot what it meant to be a woman in the workplace. Um, She started off in property. It's really important. I think we all, whoever we are and wherever we come from, we have and carry with us our own unconscious bias. And sometimes I feel that not everyone wants to recognize that. It's hidden and it's deep down. But we need to get that out for ourselves because it can be holding us back. So my own unconscious bias when I was much younger was I've got to be better than all the guys. I've got to know it better. In fact, it was no longer unconscious. It became very conscious got to be better. And actually, no, I don't. I just have to be as good as. That's all I have to be. We all have to be in this together. And my area of accountability, whatever that may be, at whatever stage of the business, I just have to be really good at that and able to deliver. 
And she kind of had to go overcome like a lot of personal barriers that I know you had to kind of overcome as well as an African-American. She would look at men and think that she had to be better than them. And over time, she kind of realized she had, she just needed to be as good as them. And I think that's a great lesson, especially for young people to learn going into the workplace. And like, while you're in school, it's good to know. So that is definitely something I pulled out of that episode. She talked a lot about the true and false narratives in our own head. Some of them don't work for us anymore. And we really need to make new ones and make true ones. I love Rowena Wilde. I'm going to absolutely see if we can bring her back because she really did, for me, she really did zero in on these stories that we create for ourselves. Everything that we do. Yo, this is Galen. I'm excited to announce that now you can support the Whiskey Jazz and Leadership Podcast as a patron. Click the link wherever you hear this message to get more information and to register. But check this out. At just a $1 per month patron level, you get access to the What's Next newsletter sent to your email box each month. That's where you will learn information about upcoming guests, get more detail about my private stock whiskey collection, and you'll learn about my new jazz favorites as soon as I fall in love with them and much, much more. $8 per month, you become a VIP. And as a VIP, you'll gain access to special VIP content each guest has recorded specifically for VIPs. And you are able to join the Whiskey Jazz and Leadership community on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. For $13 per month, you become a private stock VIP. That's where all the real fun happens. You will have access to written transcripts of each episode, an invitation to live tapings of future episodes, and access to invitation-only opportunities to interact with me and our guests during monthly Q&A live events and lots of other surprises. We're stepping up our game to give you more insight and special access. I hope you join us. Cheers. She just really brought that home in so many different ways. I really appreciate her for that uh, because you're right. I, I connect with her on we make the wall in front of us so big, so scary that it really does affect how we show up. I mean, the energy that we put into creating these scenarios in our head, we could put that same amount of energy towards overcoming the barrier, which usually isn't even as big as we make it out to be. So I love Rowena. Another shout out across the pond to Rowena Wilde. Rowena Wilde was great. But of course, next up, we have the one and only, the wisdom broker, Wyman Winbush. This one probably had to be one of my favorites. I actually got to know Wyman in Galen's master class. And this man can talk 
for hours and he's just leaving little gems for you to pick up along the way. I've always been fascinated with wisdom. Man, there's something that caught my eye in the Bible that says wisdom is more precious than rubies and gold. And man, what is it about that? It doesn't make you want some. And so what I found, Galen, uh, and this is interesting, you know, if you had $100 in your pocket when you rose in the morning and decided to give $1 out to everyone you met, by the time you got to the 101st person, you'd have nothing left because you only had $100. If you had $100 worth of wisdom and you decide to give it out to everyone, you don't have to limit yourself to $1, but you can give it all to each one you meet. And when you get to the 101st person, you'll have more wisdom than you started with because every time you share it, that wisdom becomes more profound, more refined, and more useful, not only to you, but the people that you share it with. There is no way you can talk to him and not get something out of it. He is so inspiring and so inspirational. He has so much wisdom. He's been so many places. I gained a lot from listening to this episode. Another real dude in that what you heard on that episode is what you would hear if you were to pick up the phone and call him on a Tuesday. That's just who he is. And he's so committed to his place in trying to help other people live their best lives. And he's another guy that's very unapologetic in corporate spaces. You might hear him talk about scripture, right? He's, he's not concerned about mixing the two. Uh, you know, you could be in church and hear him talk about the military and talk about how important it is to make money. Uh, he's not concerned about mixing the two. And if you were to get him on stage in a professional talk, there's no telling what he's going to talk about. He's going to bring in all kinds of stories, all kinds of examples, some that he planned and some that he didn't plan. Uh, he's going to bring anything and everything needed to deliver the points that he is needing to make or that you're wanting him to make if you've brought him in. Wyman, again, is one of my favorite guys. And I, I know that you've got him listed as part of your invisible board of directors. So I do. Gonna be, he's going to be around for you for a long, long time. Yes, he is. No, and I also wanted to bring up his... um piece of the pie narrative. So he spoke about how they, they use like a pie metaphor for business. And in order to get ahead in business, you have to take from other people's pie. So you have to get more slices than the next guy. But Wyman says that everybody has their own pie. And with each person you connect with, your pie gets bigger. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, and I'm still trying to understand it today. How did that affect you when you heard that? Yeah, you know, it just, it really endorsed this idea that there is nothing subtra subtracted from me if I help you. As a matter of fact, the more that I help you, the better I become. It's this multiplying effect that makes no sense because business in particular has built this narrative that says it's a zero-sum game, meaning what, uh, what you lose is what I gain. So if I can help you lose, then I'm helping myself. That's really kind of the construct that business is built on. But Wyman really helped reinforce this idea that it's not a zero-sum game. The more people that I can help, then I'm actually helping myself. You know, Les Brown talks about that. Zig Ziglar talks about that. 
there really is a multiplying effect to helping other people win, helping other people be successful. He struck a C chord. could absolutely relate to a lot of what he was talking about. Wyman was such a great episode. But moving forward to Dolores Presley, one of my favorites. And I know I say that a lot because it's so hard to choose a favorite episode. But I want to thank Dolores because I didn't really get into the podcast until her episode. And after her episode, I really, I went back and started listening really for the story of each one of these incredible leaders that are featured on this podcast. She begins the podcast with a story from her childhood when she was a ballerina and her teacher said that she was too fat to be a ballerina. And that obviously upset her, but it became her whole story. And from that, she had become a confidence strategist and she's always done what she has been told that she could not do. And I think that's incredible. I love Dolores. I, I mean, I love Dolores Presley. I'll tell you that episode really changed me in that she has done some things that a lot of people would say is impossible. She She's had conversations. She, was, she met Oprah Winfrey and was on the Oprah Winfrey show. She met and has been honored by President Barack Obama. I mean, these are things that people would say, there is no way I could do that. And yet she's done it. She's a best-selling author multiple times over. Uh, she speaks to sold-out stadiums. When you consider where she's come from, her life is literally impossible. And that episode really caused me to reevaluate how high I'm aiming in my own life, right? Am I aiming too low? Am I trying too hard to conform to society's expectation and standard of success? Why can't I have a conversation with Oprah? Why can't I have a conversation with President Obama? Uh, I think that's what you need from an inspirational leader, someone that causes you to wonder, why can't I achieve great things just like this leader is? So I love Ms. Dolores Presley. Yeah, Dolores, she's just shaped so many incredible leaders, especially women. Her program, She Elevates. And she's definitely a role model to me. And I follow her on Instagram and social media because I'm very curious in what she's doing. And I hope someday maybe I could connect with her as well. Uh, but my favorite part of the discussion was had to be when Dolores redefined the word boss. As far as leadership, you should be listening to people and you should be focused on what they do. And right back to the carriers you climb. And as a boss, and I do have a nonprofit that I run, we teach the girls to be girl bosses. But boss doesn't stand for bossing people around, you know, like a leader, like boss. It stands for bringing others success and significance. Mm -hmm. And I believe all leaders are true bosses where they bring others success and significance. And I remember that because that was my quote that I posted on Instagram. And I was like, that is hands down. That's it. When she did that, I thought of, I also thought of you and all my other bosses in my life. I really started thinking about who has brought value to my life that has treated me more than an employee or someone that just works for them. So I thought about you for that because you have brought me a, a lot of value in my life. 
Well, fantastic. Well, I, you know, you have definitely stepped into those shoes. You, you, uh, you have earned every uh, accolade that I easily give you. So Dolores is a brilliant, brilliant speaker. Uh, she can be found anywhere. Definitely someone to bring in, regardless of the age of your, of your group. Uh, you can see how Audrey is inspired by just a conversation that she has heard with Dolores Presley. Phenomenal. All right. So next up, we have Kyle Bailey, and he was actually your first guest that you didn't know who actually came from as a listener. He was a listener to the podcast and he actually asked to be on the show. He was like, how do I get a part of this? You talked about a lot about how you balance work and home life. If you try to duck or if you try to go around or if you try to avoid a problem, it creates other issues. You got to go through to get to because there's so much learning in that. And I'll tell you that this time, yeah, it's been trying, but at the same time, it's exciting because if I had my blinders on and just focused on the problem, I, I would be missing out on where I'm sitting right now in front of a lake talking to you. Maybe this conversation wouldn't have occurred if I would have been focused solely on myself and this depression. We are a product of our own thought process. And if we believe that it's negative and we believe that it's drowning and we believe that there is no way out, it is all those things. But if we believe that there's learning and we believe that there's positivity, we believe that there's impact and there's a reason why we're going through it and we can't wait to go through it to get to it. It's so difficult to do. But when you've been through enough tribulation, you've been through the highs and lows, what you got to do is find your equal balance. And he uses the reference to a flight suit and how he takes it off when he comes home. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, Kyle. I, I love Kyle. I mean, just he just brought so much energy, so much passion. I think I even said when we uh, were talking that I would follow Kyle anywhere. He's just one of those leaders that walks the walk. He talks the talk, but he walks the walk as well. You just believe that if this guy says, I need you to cross this bridge because on the other side is what we're trying to accomplish, you just believe that crossing the bridge is what I need to do. He has uh, definitely lived it. Uh, he is a serial entrepreneur, a leader, but he has lived the experience that gives him the ability to make people believe. So one of my favorite, one of my favorite dudes, I think I agree with you. It's kind of hard for me to pick a favorite because <laughs> I think people can sense how much I really, really enjoy the the folks that we, that we speak with on this podcast. I feel like you're probably at your happiest when you're talking to other like-minded people. I also wanted to pull out from his conversation. You guys talked a lot about humility. He talked about how he really had to humble himself as uh, someone who was very young when they got into business. Um, what does humility mean to you as a leader? That's one of those interesting terms for me, because typically when people say or give you the feedback that you need to be humble, usually what they're meaning is you need to play down those things that you do well and really own and trumpet those things that you don't do well uh, so that everyone knows that you don't believe that you're better or that you're bigger or that you're more successful than other folks around. And research shows that we all have a negative self-talk tra self track, that we're constantly being bombarded with notes 
and with words and, and comments that would suggest that we're not good enough. My desire is to redefine the word humility. And I, I believe humility means embracing the reality of being human. And that means that there are some things that I'm just not good at. No matter how hard I try, this is just not something I'm ever going to be really, really good at. But there are some things that, oh my gosh, I am amazing at. Although I might not be the best in the world, I'm probably in the top two or three that you will ever meet. And that's with everyone. Everyone has those things that, boy, they are just really, really good at doing. And it's really important, I believe, that you embrace both of those, that you embrace those things that you aren't good at, but you also equally embrace those things that you're really good at so that you can show up authentically, you can show up with your whole self, with the right amount of confidence to do amazing things. Because I don't care who you are, if you don't have confidence, you can't be amazing. There is no such thing as amazing by accident. And confidence is is at the core of that. And redefining humility is one of my passion points. I'm going to I'm going to write Webster and see if they can uh, redefine it as embracing the reality of being human. Wow. That's the mic drop. That's it. That is one of the gems that Galen always leaves behind. Oh my goodness. All right. Next we have KP Westmoreland. You and him go way back all the way to the basketball court and he has overstepped a lot of barriers. Uh, one of them being 5'8 on the college basketball team. And my favorite part of that, of his episode, was when he said, the world has been formed by people who did things that they shouldn't have done. The world has been formed by people that did things they weren't supposed to do. Jackie Robinson wasn't supposed to play Major League Baseball. Man was not supposed to walk on the moon. There's just a lot of stuff that people have done that, that wasn't supposed to happen that somebody said, really? Okay, let's see if we can do it. And the whole world changes. And honestly, it changes for the better because you push the limits. You don't let people tell you what you can't do or what you're not supposed to do. Or it's never been done that way. Who cares? If it's in your heart and you can think it and you can dream it, you can accomplish it. You got to want it worse than anything else, worse than breathing. You have to want it. This really resonated with me because it really just made me realize that I can do anything and anyone can do anything that they want to do. And that was very inspiring to me. Yeah, KP and I go back a long way. We go back all the way to college. I think we may have even met in high school. I'm not quite sure. I think we may have played basketball against each other in high school, but we were on the same team in college. He, for me is the embodiment of the marriage between pure belief and hard work. He is just delusional enough to think that he can do almost anything. And then he's crazy enough to put the work in to accomplish anything. And so when you, when you marry pure belief with work ethic, you get KP Westmoreland. This guy, you, you're not supposed to be able to play college basketball at 5'8" certainly not at the level that he played. And then you're certainly not supposed to dr dribble a basketball across the entire state of Oklahoma. That's crazy. Nobody does that. And then 
he's a motivational speaker. Uh, one of the times that we uh, connected after college, I was uh, trying to be the next Les Brown and and was excited about some of the audiences that I was speaking with and connected with him. And he said, uh, yeah, I've done a little speaking as well. Let me show you a picture of me doing my thing. And it was a picture of him on stage in front of 70,000 people. And then on top of that, he decides... I'll be mayor of my hometown. So this guy is the embodiment of being delusionally focused on doing anything, just having the belief that he can do anything and then being crazy enough to put the work in to make that anything a reality. KP's my dude. That was a good episode. Uh, Another great one was Aaron Dickey. You gave me uh, a copy of your book a few years ago. And, you know, I read through that and it was the fable approach. And the thing I love about fables, because, of course, you know, Jesus taught in fables. He just, you know, they were parables. Um, But the great thing about fables or parables, it is it allows you to look at yourself from a different perspective and, you know, allows you to, you know, have an honest look at yourself. And you can read a fable. Like I started down your fable with the imaginary company and the problems that they're having and that kind of stuff. And I knew what you were doing. I knew you were trying to make me look at myself and look at my company. And yet I still went along for the ride. Like it's, you can even be self-aware that it's happening and then you still get the lesson. And we actually got a surprise with this one. Uh, This guest brought on Craig Holiday Haynes and that, was quite the surprise. Yeah, what did you think about that when he brought the, him on? Oh my, well, first of all, Aaron Dickey, uh, I consider him to be my my whiskey godfather because he was the one that really gave me an education into what whiskey is about. Uh, he turned me on to so many different brands that I would not, I would not be aware of. And there have been so many times when I have been in the liquor store and I've called Aaron and said, hey, Aaron, what should I get? They've got this, they've got that. And he's guided me into some of those some of those discussions and decisions. I just really didn't feel comfortable hosting a podcast with whiskey in the name without having Aaron on. And he did not disappoint at all. But then he came through with a surprise, an actual jazz legend. Craig Holiday Haynes. I I was, I think he, I think Aaron asked if I would mind. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Would I mind? And the more I researched Craig Holiday Haynes, as well as his dad, Roy Haynes, I actually started to get a little nervous about the conversation. Could I carry a conversation with someone who has lineage to Billie Holiday, Jimi Hendrix, uh, to all these iconic, you know, Miles Davis, you know, so I was really, really floored and flattered uh, that Aaron would make that connection and uh, do that on the show. Yeah. And that's saying something because I remember you telling me that you don't get nervous for a lot of conversation. For you to get nervous, that had to be a pretty big deal. Speaking on more of Aaron, you said he's the father of a of a soccer goalie. And you said that a soccer goalie is the second most courageous position on the field, but the parent of a soccer goalie is ha- hands down the most courageous position on the field. Uh, oh my gosh. Without question, without question. All right. Uh, going on to Hugo, 
his was also another one of my favorite episodes because he really defines changing the narrative. The one thing that business school tells you, well, you need to look at your strategy. You need to look at your culture. You need to look at all the different disciplines that kind of give you that broad business acumen. Now let's look at the pandemic, which has now changed our economy. People keep going, we want to get back to normal. There is no normal. You cannot get back to normal. It's like people saying that I want to get back to world travel before 9-11. That world no longer exists. There is that many more people starting businesses, doing so much more social media. Well, obviously we're in our 50s, but in, within our class, I don't see many of our classmates on new social apps like Clubhouse, Instagram, really kind of doing podcasts, doing a lot of the stuff that, you know, we've kind of went down similar roads in terms of utilizing our presentation skills, our leadership skills. You have to adapt. Um, he talks about some of the darkest moments in his life when he suffered from addiction, but he was able to turn that around and um, form his organi organization, Life is Wonderful. That is probably one of the most inspiring things you can do is turn one of the darkest moments in your life to one of the brightest moments. Uh, what did you think about that? He's another guy that I've known for a while. He and I went to business school together. And uh, we've connected on a couple of different points uh, since business school. And I was actually kind of concerned about this, the, about this conversation. I, I didn't know if it was going to come off well, only because he and I uh, have such similar beliefs about things. We, we just, we approach so many situations in a similar way. I just didn't know if there was going to be enough tension in the conversation to make it compelling. Up until after the the conversation was published, I just didn't know if there was going to be enough tension. But I think I've gotten more responses, more comments about Hugo's conversation than almost any. Uh, and I think it might be because we have such similar uh, approaches and because Hugo is just brilliant in what he does. I mean, he brings such real life examples into everything that he talks about. He's not talking about something that he read uh, in an article. He's talking about what he's lived. And I think that that makes a difference. Hugo uh, is the real thing. And I'm so proud of this organization that he's created. He's literally talking about his life and what he's learned and his passion for helping other people live a better life based on his lessons. I'm, I'm really, really proud of what he's doing. That's truly inspirational because he talks a lot about self-awareness and wearing your emotions on your sleeve. And I think that's a lesson that I think our society is finally ready for because we've been talking a lot about mental health recently in today's media. So I think this was definitely a needed conversation and I'm glad it had a place on Whiskey Jazz and Leadership. So next up is Shayna. Uh, Shayna's our last guest on season one. Something I always say is the muscle that we're flexing when we're leading people who are different from us is emotional intelligence. The more that we tap into 
really getting clear about our emotions and how our emotions impact other people, our biases, our thoughts, our patterns. The more we get clear about also other people's perspectives and how we can leverage more diverse perspectives to build better relationships. Once we understand how all four of those domains work together, it's when people do that work consistently, you can tell there's an empathy about them you know, there are just certain people, you know, you can trust. And then there are certain people you just kind of get in their presence and you're just like, hmm, you get quiet, you kind of shrink, you know, you get a little skeptical. It's a feeling. It's like what Maya Angelou said, you know, we may forget what people say and do, but we will never, ever forget how people make us feel. Shana, oh my gosh, she's incredible. The first thing that I picked out was when she said, coaching is my jam. She said her favorite part is the unknown about coaching because she describes it as a beautiful dance and it's her gift. I wanted to know if you felt the same way. Yeah. Coaching is, there's this special moment. And I think I talk about it in that, in that episode, there's this moment in coaching where uh, you often have to make this detachment and you have to go into this space where you have no idea what it's going to uncover. And when I do that, that's when magic happens. Quincy Jones, in his biopic documentary, he says that when he writes music, he only writes 80% of the music because he leaves 20% for God to walk through the door because that's when the magic happens. And that's what coaching is, is for me, that uh, you know, I go in with my expertise, I go in with my experience, I go in with, you know, with these tools that I've learned through, through training, but when I go into this area that I have no idea what, what's going to happen on the other side of this question, that's usually when the magic happens and my clients are paying me for the magic. They can get the training questions from anyone. You can read a book and get those training questions. They can get business examples from anyone. I mean, you can watch YouTube and get business examples, but do you have someone who's willing to ask you those questions that no one else is either capable or daring enough to ask you so that you can uncover what you need to, to, to work on to get from where you are to where you want to be. That takes courage. Um, one of my new favorite coaches, he's actually a sports coach. Uh, he is the coach for Serena Williams. And on a Netflix special I uh, called The Coach's Playbook, I heard him say, you know, as a coach, if you're going to be a good coach, you can't be afraid to get fired. And that really hit me because as an executive coach, you walk this line of this being the source of your revenue, this being the source of your family income. So you don't want to get fired. But at the same time, it's my job to push my clients. It's my job to piss my clients off. And I've even gone so far as to tell some of my clients, at some point, you're not going to like me very much. Uh, because if I don't press you that hard, then that's the same as having a conversation with the guy that's in the cubicle next. You can. My job is to push you almost to the point where I could possibly get fired. And uh, Shana talked about that. She calls that her jam when she goes into the unknown. She doesn't know how it's going to turn out. She just feels the spirit pulling her into this space. I love Shana and all that she's doing. Oh, I'm with you on that one. Near the end of her episode, she kind of dropped this gem. And I thought this was like a good way to kind of end the season. Uh, she said, 
We don't tell the sun it's too bright. We put sunglasses on. We are meant to shine. That was incredible. And I paused that there and I was like, I'm writing that one down. All right. That was our last guest for the season. Yeah, it's hard to believe. I mean, we did quite a bit. We did quite a bit. Season two, boy, we got some amazing things planned for season two. It's taking everything within me not to share, but we're going to talk to some more coaches. Uh, We're going to step into some uncharted uh, waters. We're going to talk about some topics that I'm going to tell you uh, make me a little nervous. I'm all about authenticity and going where no one has ever gone before, but there are a couple of conversations that gonna, that's going to put that to the test. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, some mentors uh, of mine, some people that I've long admired. Uh, we're going to talk to some people that some people who have really kind of framed and helped shape how I show up as a coach, and just continue this commitment to hitting people with the real talk that they can't get from anywhere else. I am just so excited that I've got you to help me bring this to our audience. You have been such uh, such a support and so helpful to this effort. I just can't imagine this being what it is without you. I am so glad that you are able to and willing to join us and give us great summaries of each of the episodes. I would encourage everyone just to double back. We're going to we're going to take a, a little break. Uh, between season one and season two, just to get all these things lined up, but definitely double back uh, because there's just been so many great conversations. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to admit something here on air. I listened to all of the episodes. I've, I think I've listened to every episode maybe four times now. And I find myself getting great coaching just from listening to the episodes. I mean, you, you've got certified coaches, you've got CEOs and executives here, uh, you've got thought leaders who have come on, and this is just a great source of really reflecting on your life, what you're trying to accomplish, and what are some things that you might be facing that m- may be getting in the way, and things that you can do to finally get to where you're trying to go. So with that, I think we can call this a call this a wrap. I'm gonna raise my my Coca Cola. I have I have <laughs> yeah right perfect perfect perfect. And uh, I'm just gonna cheer to you, Audrey. You have been an incredible addition to the team. Thank you so much, whiskey, jazz, and leadership. Until next time. Thank you, Galen. Cheers. Cheers. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.